0: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Father, you're so good. And we just declare, God, in advance, God, that this word is going to fall on good ground. That somehow we will find a place where we need to be encouraged and corrected and inspired. And Lord, I thank you, God, for your word going forth and reaping a harvest, God. I thank you we're going to be better for it. I thank you your name is going to be glorified because of what is going to happen. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. So look at your person next to you and say, I don't know what she's going to be doing today. You know she don't have it all the way together. (laughs) Save yourself. (laughs) All right, so... I want to talk to you, um, there's a situation that happens to me, you know, I it's not a lot, but it's just happened to me several times. But I'm going to kind of talk about one of these situations. And so, I, um, I'm i not sure if it happens to you. I'm sure that it's happened to you. And you may be the initiator or the recipient, but I'm sure you can find yourself in here. What? It wasn't some years ago, some years ago, I had had a young lady that had come up to me. And she had said, Hey, Pastor Sarah, I want to just apologize to you And I was like, Oh no, why? What did you do? You know? And she said, Well, I just want to apologize because when I first came here to the church, there was a, another church member who had kind of come to me and told me, you know, you kinda of stuck up, you know, you kinda of, you know, bougie, you kinda of, standoffish you can, obviously don't know me but you kind of you know and kind. Of, it, it made me kind of shy i didn't really want to i didn't really pursue a relationship with you and so i you know i saw pastor evan as my pastor but not you so it was easier for me to receive him because she had kind of told me and i thought man i'm new to the church i mean somebody just kind of tell you on that maybe there's some truth to it so I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where people testify on your behalf. Because they were in all your sins with you. So they can tell for you. Or 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 they they, they color your perception of somebody else. Or maybe you're the person where it's been colored against. And you're trying to reach out to somebody. You're trying to talk to somebody. And you're wondering, why are they acting like that? You didn't even do anything to them. You didn't even have a chance to say hey. So before that relationship had even formed, she already there was already a separation between me and her, and we hadn't even said hi. Because somebody else used their influence in a negative way. And so she now we got it straight. She's one of my very close close friends right now. I mean, we we fight for each other. We don't fight each other, but we fight for each other, and we're really tight. But it's amazing that. That you can have people who feel they can leverage their influence that way, well, how does this influence come? I want to talk to you from the subject of words with friends because there 's words and their friends they words and their friends. you know you could have been on the receiving end. some of you are writing on your jobs you know are on the receiving end of people talking about you, making things up about you, fabricating things about you <laughs> as if. <laughs> They, you know, as if they know you. And you are being persecuted unnecessarily because of the influence of other people. So Hebrews 11.3 tells us this, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God shows us a process right there that your framing, your natural manifestation that you see is based on words. So you can create an image or a perception in your mind based on words. In the beginning, God wanted light, so he said there was light. He wanted man, he created man. What he wanted, he declared and he said, and I want to challenge us and I want us to find ourselves in our relationships. What are we saying and to who are we saying it? And how is that coloring? How is that forming? How is that benefiting the person or the relationships that we are in? Because see, words carry value. They carry immense value and they can color our minds if we're not careful. So let's talk about that. The visible comes from the invisible. What you and I speak, what you and I say to who we say it to and to who we're saying it about. (laughs) We're leveraging all the time. We're leveraging all the time. So turn with me to Genesis three, Genesis three. Now I want to define what I mean by conversation and what I mean by friends. Words with friends, conversation, discussion. Conversation is text. Because see, some of you'll be slick and be like, "Well, I didn't have a verbal conversation." Okay, so I'm going to define for you: smoke signal, (laughs) cartoon, hieroglyphics, verbal, inbox on Facebook, Twitter, all these other chat rooms. I don't know. I chat, you chat, we chat. Anything, interpretive dance, <laughs> song, anything that can paint a picture. We're talking about conversation. All right. Conversation. So, so what are we talking about? Friends, friends, how many of us have found friends? You remember that? <laughs> okay. Let's stop. Cause I don't have rhythm, but, um, friends, two kinds of people, pullers and pushers. Pullers and pushers. What are pullers? Pullers are the people who pull you away from what's good, what's right, what's holy. Pushers are ones who push you towards what's good, what's right, what's holy. And we've got some pullers in our life. And we've got some pushers in our life. So here's the thing. Genesis 3.1. I'm going to tell you about this story here. And, you know, I was... um, You know, kind of, you know, many of my story and, you know, my life was kind of chaotic, but I didn't know it was chaotic. You know, I, I grew up in a music environment and my dad was gone eight months, pretty much to nine months out of the year. It was normal to me. I didn't seem that it was abnormal. I didn't think nothing was wrong with it. I mean, I stayed to, you you know, and you're like, oh, what? You know, my mom was missing. I had an uncle who used to like to drink and you'd be like, oh my gosh, CPS, CPS, come come get her. Well, to me, I'm like, oh, this is this is just how we roll, okay? I'm stealing food sometimes to feed my little siblings. It's all right. That's what we do. So I didn't know nothing was wrong. So I had a little group in high school. You'll see them at the grand opening because they all gonna come over in here. You'll see how we do. And when they, I started moving away from my group because this older girl started talking to me. And so she started talking to me, and she didn't have a dad. She had a mom. They were very bitter. This mom was like really lunatic. I mean, just cut her girl's hair off for no reason. Stuff like that. I mean, there's lunatic stuff. You know, and so I wanted to go to this weekend. No, I am 13. Imagine this. 13. And so my dad happens to be home. It's Easter weekend. It's carnival weekend in Jamaica. That means you're just, you know, partying your life out. I was clubbing already at 13 because I looked that old. Because sin will make you look old. I mean, I am so much cuter now. I mean, like, like, I can't even explain. I'm like aging in reverse now. But if I show you pictures of when I was 13, you'd be like, Pastor, that was not you. I look like 25. I didn't even need to card me. That's how much sin I was in at 13. I was in the ninth grade. Sinning. So anyhow, me and this girl, we go and I go home and I go because good, obedient children ask their parents, can they go for a whole weekend, two hours away to party? <laughs> so I said, hey, daddy, can I go? No, you're not going. You're only 13 years old. Where do you think you're going? Three three days away, two hours away? No, we didn't have cell phones and all that. You're not going. I was like, oh, okay. But oh, girl, she was right up there with me. And she was like, oh, sorry, he can't tell you that. I was like, he can't? He can't? Wait, hold on. Newsflash, newsflash, he can't tell me that. Why can't he tell me that? Sorry, you're here. You're raising these kids by yourself. Your uncle is drunk. He's never here. He's not even really the parent. You're the one that's always here. You've been telling them what to do. You can tell yourself what to do. You can handle it. You've been handling it all this time. And so I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I've been handling it all this time. Uh, yeah. So I went to my dad and I said, I'm leaving. You can't tell me what to do. I don't care what you have to say. I'm the boss. And he was like, if you ever leave, don't come back. I said, no oh, big deal. Packed up my stuff and I left home. 24 hours later, I almost got gang raped. Idiot. Running away from home. Dumb stuff. But how did I? no. here's the thing. I am my father's favorite child. This is true. If Pastor Che was here, he'd tell you. It's true. He has favorites. And I am his favorite. Maybe because my mom was such a little terrorist that he just felt sorry for me. And just, But I mean, I was with my dad everywhere. On every stage show that he was with. I was. There is even footage on YouTube in 1979. I'm six years old in a studio session. All this weed smoke. And I'm the only child in there with all these men who are doing music. I was never separated from my dad. How did I get from being the favorite to leaving the place of favor? What caused me to do that? A conversation. Words with the wrong friends. Words with a friend who probably had her own bitterness, her own anger. Didn't probably like the fact that I did have favor with my dad. Didn't like the fact that even though I was in a bad situation, I never saw anything different. I did not realize anything was wrong until she came into my life. Let's turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. It says this. Genesis 3 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, You, yeah, has God said? You shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, let's just start right there. See, she just had a conversation, conversation. She didn't didn't get the lesson. Stranger danger, stranger danger. You see a snake coming up, walking on legs to you. Don't you think that if I brought the snake in here on some legs, this place would be cleared in a second. So here she come talking to this. Oh, you cute little snake. Let's talk. Okay, it must have been like a Disney snake. So the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said, girl, please, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. God is making this stuff up. God knows that in the day you eat, then your eyes are going to be open. Don't you like that, Eve? Don't you want the eyes open like a Maybelline commercial? Your eyes are going to be open, girl. It's going to be open. You're going to see so much, you know. And, um, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, she didn't see it until something was said. She didn't see the tree was good until somebody said something to her. And so here it is, and then it says, no, that she saw it was good for food. And then it was pleasant to the eyes. So all of a sudden you see it, now you start to desire it. All off of one little conversation. It's kind of like, it looks like, look like she's describing a single guy to a single girl. Your eyes open, see that it's good, then you got desire for it. Uh-huh. And it says and a tree to desire to make one wise. Yeah, I want to fit in. I want to be like God. I have FOMO. I don't want to be let, left out. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. You all need to get with the times, okay? Get with it. All right? So she don't want to be left out. She wants to be like the gods. She wants to fit in. She wants to be. You know, she don't want to be left out. So he he capitalizes on something on the inside of her. And she took it thereof, she eats it, and then she turns around and has another conversation. With her boo. Hey boo, don't leave me out here. We won. we together. What you mean you're not going to have sex with me and you're single? No, we're together. Remember, we're friends. We're going out. We're dating. I'm going to marry you. Maybe 10 years from now, but I'm going to marry you. You see? So here's what she does. Because what does a puller do? A puller makes the one thing that is missing become everything. The one thing that's missing becomes the only thing that matters. That's what a puller does. So yeah, you're married. Your husband, big belly didn't affect you before. I mean, his stomach out to here. You've been doing balance beam. <laughs> surfing. Drawing maps. I mean, who's in the mirror? You just be like, you're so fine. I like, I like that odd shape you got there. You know, you're just You're unique. All of a sudden you get with a friend and she's like, Oh girl, I don't know how you at the gym and he's not at the gym. And and, and you're like, he's like, Oh, I like that six pack, and then you're going, you didn't even know there were packs, you didn't even know they came in packs. <laughs> you like the waves. You know, you are you you like the waves. But all of a sudden now all of a sudden your desire changing, your own look changing because of a conversation that is illicit. From a puller who's trying to pull you away from your family. No one nothing good for you. But you're giving them influence. And all of a sudden, you have to understand that words create images. And images create appetites. And appetites create actions. And actions create harvests. So if you don't watch those conversations, all of a sudden now you come home. And this is what happened to, De- to Eve. A discussion bred discontentment. She became discontent with her situation. Discontent with her job. Discontent with her kids. Discontent with herself. Just discontent. And that is what discussion can do. It can spur discontentment. I didn't know my situation was a problem. I thought it was all cool. Till old girl came to me and started telling me why it was wrong. And I began to agree with her. Because I didn't have the maturity to filter it. And you and I are in that situation all the time. You're on social media and you're not being careful who is commenting on you, who is inboxing you. Sending all sorts of codes and gang signs up to you. You don't know how to interpret them, but it'll seem cool. <laughs> you're responding back. What does that mean? No, block. Block. Any conversation that you're having that your spouse can't be part of is not a conversation that needs to happen. They should have your passcode, your inbox, your outbox, just if they feel like it because you won. What you saying like that that he can't hear right. or she can't hear? Right. On your job, it's the same thing. You can have somebody, you come in, you're just so happy, you're so excited, you got a little job now, you're ready to get your promotion, get your little desk ready, your pencil sharpened out. And then somebody goes, mm-hmm, you're not going to be here long. Oh, oh, we got a new boss. Uh, The last one was awesome, but this one, you're not going to like her. All of a sudden, you see somebody coming into church. She got on a little miniskirt, trying to fix her skirt. You were like, oof. (laughs) You better cover up all the single men. She didn't even get to come through the glass door to say hi. Already we have vampire, vampire. Conversation, turning people against people. With the power of the influence of your words and your position in their life. Puller. What is a conversation? Do a conversation. Like I said, it gives you an idea. And I close your eyes right now. Because I'm imagining this right now. <laughs> you know? So imagine the oven is on. It's been on for one hour and 15 minutes. Exact. There is a whole organic chicken in there. It has been brown to a crisp. Oh, the juices are coming over it right now. Do you see it? It's just, it's just kind of dark to medium to caramel brown on the crust. And then we have some steamed carrots with the butter just drooling. It's just oozing over it. Oh, my goodness gracious. And then the green beans are not the canned green beans because we don't want them squashy and, you know, kind of brown. We want the green, fresh, snappy, kind green beans. And, boy, when you take that fork and you put it in there and you cut it, oh, the juices just come out there. And it's just so tender. You can't imagine. you smell it. How many are getting hungry? Exactly, it creates appetite. Somebody is gonna go home and make roast chicken. Are so you gonna be like, oh, but I want, I want that chicken, that chicken, I want that chicken. Creates desire. Words creates desire. What is discussion? Discussion breeds discontentment, but discussion also breeds distraction. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says this: Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good. Character. You know, the 12 spies in the book of Exodus. They went out. God had given them a promise. He said, look, you're gonna win. Go take Canaan. You can do it. You're well able. 12 of them went out. 10 of them decided to have a conversation. Words with friends. They said, no, it's too big. We're just like grasshoppers. We can't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, oh, whoa, whoa, this discussion, I'm gonna have to pick a side. I'm gonna have to go over here with God. And believe that his word is true. And the other ten, this thing spreads like wildfire till an entire nation gets stuck for 40 years. Because the gossip, the words with friends were wrong. So here it is, they're stuck in a wilderness. It's like you're driving on a GPS, you're driving using your GPS and you get distracted because you're on your phone or you're talking to your kids and you miss your exit. So then now you have to go to a whole nother exit, turn around. You have to understand that your distraction doesn't just affect you. Everyone you're influencing, everyone you're carrying with you is affected on that journey. Your alignment is going to impact your assignment in God. Who you hook up with is going to have an impact on where God is taking you. So you can't just align yourself with anybody who is going to distract you. Galatians 5, 7 says it like this. You are running so well. Just running, running, running so well. Who? Because every conversation begins with a who. Who has distracted you? Who has hindered you that you should not obey the truth? Who is the puller in your life or are you the puller? Are you the puller separating people from people? The Bible says that words can go down. You can even get in there and separate as close friends. And so we get afraid. We get afraid. We don't want to introduce our friends to our other friends in case, oh, you become her best friend and you don't become my best friend anymore. So, I'm, I'm, so when I introduce you to her, I'm going to say, yes, yeah, she's my friend, but girl, you know. You know what? Exactly. You don't want to say, but well, I'm not one to tell. I'm not one to talk. But you're already just throwing shade like that. So the girl comes and she's just excited, hi, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're not gonna be part of the group though. You're not going to be part of the group. She didn't you know so it creates distraction. Don't let pullers distract you from what is right, from what is good. What is right, what is good. Let me tell you, every deception that has ever occurred in my life began with a conversation. Every time I did wrong, it started with a conversation. With the one I had with myself. Hello. I don't know if y'all talk to yourself. Y'all you talk to yourself? I, yeah, I got before me talking to me. Every time I was discontent, I'm looking at what I don't have versus what I do have, what's missing versus what's present. And then you become greedy and you become hungry and then you, that hunger turns into an appetite and then you now have to find a way to get it done yourself because you can't wait on God. Because God's too slow. Distraction. Get me off course and all this kind of stuff. All the time into a discussion. I can trace it to, I can trace it to the very words. Whether somebody said it to me or I said it to myself. Discussion. Discussion. So discussion doesn't just breed discontentment or distraction. But it also breeds division. It can breed division. Look at the book of Esther. The book of Esther talks about um, Mordecai. Mordecai was this great amazing Jew. He was her uncle. He was very devout to God. And then this guy named Haman gets promoted as regent. He gets promoted and he tells everybody, you know, by the order of the king's decree, you need to bow down and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, Mordecai is like, man, I can't do that. I'm a Jew. you got to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. Have no other gods before me. I'm not going to bow down. Haman's like, oh, no, you're going to do what I want you to do. You're not bowing down. My ego's hurt. My feelings hurt. You ever get your feelings hurt and then you start chatting about somebody else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying. The man's feelings are a little hurt. So he leveraged his relationship with the king, and he went to the king, having access to the king, and said, "There's these people, you see, they don't like you, they don't obey you, they aren't even listening to you. You need to check them. I've got your heart, you know, king. I've got your back, king. But these people, oh, they're on the cutting you, just sowing seeds of division, seeds of discord, seeds, words." The king kind of got a clue later by the power of God and and intervention. But his desire was to create division. I wonder who is creating division among you. Are you creating division? Who is creating division among you and your church? (laughs) Who is creating division among your family? In your relationship? No, it's never wrong to fight for what's right. It's never wrong to fight for love. It's never wrong to fight for godly relationships. Who is trying to separate you from your relationship if you're a single? They're promising you everything. They're telling you, Oh, you know, this is gonna work out this way. Two are better than one. Let's just merge your accounts. Let's just merge your stuff. No. Why do they have to move into your house? No, let's let's just shack together, let's just live together, let's just see how this works. Let's experiment. That is pulling you away from holiness. That's pulling you away from righteousness. That's a pull-up. All right, so here's this last thing. It can foster disillusionment. Disillusionment. Judas, Judas, Judas. Poor little Judas. You know, Judas, Judas. You know, we think of Judas and we just think, Oh, he's the one that betrayed Jesus. But you know, he repented in the end. He was so sorrowful. You ever had been going on the right way and doing the right thing and then life interrupts you and you make wrong choices and, but it shows us in the way Judas was, he wasn't always like that. He wasn't always a, a betrayal. He wasn't always a person that turned him. He got manipulated. He got deceived in the process. He was right up there as a disciple. Christians can do dumb stuff too. When we talk about forgiveness, we always want to think about it as before Christ. But the truth is, many of us are having unrighteous conversations and just bad conversations, bad words with friends, and we also need to rectify that. So he became um, he became disillusioned, and before you know it, he wasn't a disciple anymore. He was a deceiver. You can move from one place to another place, but if you watch it. It's conversation. Oh man, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I would do that. Oh, I want those shoes. You didn't even know those shoes exist. All of a sudden, you break in the bank and just you just have to have some red bottom shoes that gonna hurt your feet. Because once I have those shoes, you you know, I'm popping. Because they said so. This this th- I would love to meet the Council of they. They Oh you going to that? No, I didn't know that. Oh girl, we all going. Why do you have to go? You 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 too broke to go. You can't go. <laughs> but your words with friends will make you go ahead and mess up your little budget Mess up your budget, mess up your life. And then, hey. All right. Acts 9. We're going to read this and we're going to get ready to close. <laughs> because, you know, that's what preachers do. They have to close several times. You're not a real preacher until you're close three times. There you go. All right. So, you know, so, so here's the thing. On the other hand, there are pushers. Not dope pushers. <laughs> But people who are pushing you towards destiny, pushing you towards God, pushing to you towards your call, pushing you, right? These are your cheerleaders. These are the people that find what's right and not what's wrong. They're very rare, you know, they're very rare. Acts 9:26. I don't mean like, I love this. I mean, I love this here. All right. So are you in Acts 9? Yeah. Well, look at the screen if you're not. Okay. Here it goes. Then the disciples took him by night and let... Okay, forget that part. Verse 26. And when Saul... This is Saul before he converted to Paul, right? Before his name was Paul. So this is Saul. He was still operating as Saul, but not in the bad Saul. He was now the good Saul, but not net Paul. Yeah. Okay. So when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed or desired. He wanted to join himself to the disciples. Look at that. He want to be part of a true group. Paul was like, pick me, pick me. I want to be part of the team. I want to be part of the disciples. I want to be part of the group. I don't want to be like Shrek. I don't want to be all alone. And, but, 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 but they, there we go, they, were all afraid of him. And believed not that he was a disciple. mm They were looking at Saul and going, remember you were the one that was murdering all the Christians. They were holding his past against him. These people who walked with Jesus all this time and saw Jesus heal people, raise people from the dead, saw the love that Jesus had towards the the woman caught in adultery and the the woman at the well and and the woman with the issue of blood and how he, he raised up Jairus' daughter. This same Jesus of compassion. These people said, oh no. He could change me, but he can't change you. I don't want you to be part of the group. Oh no, don't you know he's the one that kills Christians? Always regurgitate in the past. Using their influence to block him out of his call. But then there was a pusher. There was a pusher named Barnabas. And says, but in contrast to that, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them, how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus and he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians that they were about to slay him which when the brethren knew they brought him down. Barnabas stood in the middle and said I don't care what you think you know about him but I tell you God has touched his life and he has changed and he's a good guy and don't you worry about what he did yesterday he still called of God to know that Paul became the greatest apostle here was a defining moment in a words with friends situation and you have a choice and you have a chance to either use your influence with your words to build hold somebody to their past or push them towards their future that's your choice. That's what you have to do. Naaman had a maid and she pushed Naaman. And she said, you're sick. But I know of a prophet. I know of a prophet that if you just go to him, you'll get healed. Some of you know people are sick. Their marriages are sick. Their minds are sick. They're heartbroken and discouraged. And instead of you pushing them towards healing, you're going, girl, I understand. Man, I know. It happened to me. You're pulling them into despair. You're pulling them into isolation versus pushing them into communion. Pushing them into community. That's what Naaman's maid did. It didn't matter what station she was. She used her influence. Her words brought her to a great place. It's the same thing in Luke 5.19. There was this, this group of friends and this man was really sick and Jesus was preaching and they couldn't get him into to see Jesus and so they removed the roof. Are you that friend? Are you that puller? That pusher that will say, let me remove the roof. Let me take the weight of who you are. And yes, everybody's rejected you. And yes, you have leprosy. And yes, your legs are not working. And yes, you're deaf. And yes, you're dumb. And yes, you're blind. But I don't care. I will associate myself with you because I know the right words you need. And I will put you on my back. And I will take you to the roof. And I will tear everything off. And I will lower you down because that's the kind of friend I am. Or are you that person that's like, I don't want to be associated with the sick. I don't want to be associated with the blind. I don't want to be associated with the lame because they don't fit in my group. They don't shine on me. They don't make me look good. What is your decision today? What is your decision today? Friends don't leave friends alone. Friends don't leave friends alone. You know, Ruth and Naomi, I mean, got wisdom on how to catch the right kind of guy. You need the right kind of friend. I mean, I talk to the guys here. I have some ex-players that I talk to. They've been redeemed. <laughs> and I'm like, so what attracts you to, I mean, like, like I want to have a single ladies, you know. I want to get married and, you know, kind of have the kind of marriage I have or better, you know. Well, you know, however it goes Monday, Friday, Wednesday, you know. And uh, they said, what pastors are? We don't like when the girls just come up to us and say, what's your number? We don't like with girls when they, their clothes are too low and they look too, they, they're doing extra. That's so what they say, extra. Everywhere I go, I see them in front. Hey, hey. I'm, I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. The kind of guy that you're looking for. Okay, you want him way up here. And the same thing for you guys. You want her way up here. But your words, your words—all you have is your words. You have no words of purpose, no words of comfort, no protecting words. Everything is about you know, uh, you know, it's just a game. You don't have to change your lyrics. Stop listening to K one o four. Yeah, you need to be doing some worship music. Hit a heart together, and all of a sudden. You were praising God and stuff and now you're all in K104 and you mean, you know, you know every word to Beyonce's song. You don't know none of these songs up here. You know, you walk up into church and we think you're trying to walk into worship and you be like, formation, formation, formation. I mean, you just ready like that. You didn't know what was going on in your life. All of a sudden you start to listen to stuff and you just start to, you just start walking into worship. We're like, what is, what is going on with you? words, they'll drop it like it's hot words are coming through the radio and all you're hearing is this, so before you know you have this big desire you have this desire that is illicit and it's going crazy and nobody can live up to this because those things are manufactured and produced and rehearsed and timed and edited and you are now building your expectation on false words So, are we going to be like Judas? Are we going to be like Jesus? Imagine what it would be if we used our words to lift up, then to lower down, to build up, then to break apart. Why don't you take a moment right now as we get ready to pray? Begin to think how are you using your words? You know, I have some, um, some friends that I thought was really neat. I was talking to them last week. Um, I don't know if they're here today or not, but um, Shane and Jennifer. So I was talking to them. I said, um, they told me that they're both doing... They're married, by the way. They're married. But they're both doing their master's something, something intelligent. That's... I can't pronounce. Degree together. Like, right? And I thought that was so cool. Right? To, Be in a relationship that you could do it together. That it wasn't no intimidation. He didn't have to use his words to beat her down and say, No, you can't do that. You're not smart enough. And she didn't have to say, Well, why are you going to be doing that now? I mean, don't you have a degree already? But they could use their words to push each other into their call. Push each other to a place where God wants them. How beautiful is that? in a friendship in your job no matter where you are be a pusher so I'm gonna pray right now if you bow your heads and I'm gonna call for four things the first thing is if you've been injured by a puller in your life where you know you've been the subject of talk people trying to blast you out and tell what you did and didn't do even though they weren't up in there with you they like to testify. Or you've been the person that have been part of those conversations where you've kind of turned your nose up sometimes and you've kind of pulled away, pulled other people away from forming relationships. Then I'm going to pray for you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. Because a word... That he has over you. His banner over you is love. If you want to recommit your life. Because you know. You know what. Pastor Sar. The truth is. I just really need to make up my mind. On which side of the face.